Welcome back to the Play On Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Stavros. Today we will be speaking to the cast of Murder for Two, Paul Helm and John Wiscovich, who are both making their debut with the Utah Shakespeare Festival during the 2016 season. Paul Helm has taught at Bucknell University, Marquette University, and the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Paul's appeared at the Milwaukee Repertory Theater, Fireside Dinner Theater, First Stage Children's Theater, Skylight Music Theater, Florentine Opera Company, American Folklore Theater, Florida Studio Theater, Circa 21 Dinner Playhouse, Greenbrier Valley Theater, and the University of Wisconsin-Platteville Heartland Festival. He's also been a vocalist for Disney on Classic, a symphony concert tour of Japan with the Tokyo Philharmonic Orchestra. Paul is also the associate music director for this season's production of The Coconuts. John Wiscovich has a BFA in musical theater from Point Park University. He's performed at the Pittsburgh Civic Light Opera, where he appeared in Murder for Two, uh, and has performed at the Piper Theater, the Quantum Theater, and Pittsburgh Irish and Classical Theater. He's also appearing in this season in The Coconuts as Robert Jameson. John and Paul, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having us. Welcome. Well, uh, we'll jump right in. Uh, and, you know... We, your work this year in uh, in Murder for Two is it's it's a show of firsts, as I understand it, for us for the festival, and I think for you guys, for you gentlemen as well. This is your first time working together, yes? Correct. Yes. First yep. time each of you working with Brad Carroll. Correct. Yeah. Also. Correct. And you're the you were the very first show to open in the new Eileen and Alan Ains Studio Theater, our our brand newest space here at the Shakespeare Festival. Uh, let's start there. Talk about uh, opening a show in a new space. Um, as far as um, whether it's a, 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 you know, John spent the time with the show and Paul, it's your first time with the show. But talk about the adventure of opening a show in a brand new space. Um, I kind of, you know, I, of course, had done my research before I came here. And when I found out that uh, we were going to kind of be like the inaugural show in the Ains Theater, I was super excited. I was like, this is going to be really, really cool. It's going to be something really special. I mean, the festival's been around for decades now. And it will be around four decades, I'm sure. I have no doubt of that. Um, and so to be a part of this first season that, that is taking place in the Ains is really, really cool. And I mean, especially having the setup of this space, which is a tennis court uh, setup, it's, it's really neat. It, it, it posed some really interesting challenges, but I think we kind of all met them head on. Um, Paul, do you agree? Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> it's a talk show now. Um, the, uh, no, I, I, I'm excited. I echo what John said. Just to be involved with this season, this this year, um, with all the new things going on, the new spaces, the all the receptions and the unveilings and <laughs> new street names and whatever. We I mean, like party. Yeah. 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 So Welcome to the 2016 Shakespeare Festival. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I, I think that, you know, to be our first summer here, this was a very special summer to be here. So, And to be, again, the first musical in this new Ains uh, Studio Theater is, is quite exciting. Um, and, and the people are really responsive to it. Um, you know, it's, it's ambitious to do this show in that kind of uh, setup of the theater, but um, I, I think <laughs> we're certainly getting our work out. We didn't need our uh, gym <laughs> um, uh, memberships this month, but um, it, it, it has been it has been quite an adventure, but a really positive, rewarding adventure. For our listeners who haven't been into this space yet, normally, or, or previously with iterations of this show, correct me if I'm wrong, John, it was in a, a proscenium setup, a regular, a fairly standard yeah, yeah. You know, audience on one side, actors up on stage with kind of the separation of the fourth wall there. Um, and in this one, we are in your laps, more or less. <laughs> like we, we are, we're, we're right there. Yeah, so this is the first time it's been, it is being done not in proscenium. Cool. Uh, 
so with that long sort of alley, that sort of open area of the stage, you're doing a lot of backing and forth. What, um, and this show in particular, it's, it's not your usual show. Mm-hmm. You, you gentlemen are what I have dubbed or what I am calling, of course, as many others have, quadruple threats. <laughs> you act, you sing, you dance, and you are very proficient uh, and talented at playing the piano. I can which... cook, too. <laughs> do you do that on stage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, bring, out a, we bring out a pan. Awesome. Just See? Wait. Quintuple <laughs> threat. So with the nature of a show like this, uh, where you're being called on as performers to do so many things, and John so many characters, uh, on stage, just the two of you, Talk a little bit about that, how you, how you sort of balance all of these elements of production in yourselves in, in terms of performance. Um, Paul, let's start with you since you, I, we'll, t- we'll talk about the multiple roles thing with John, but Paul, I want to talk with you particularly about you're creating this character and you're doing all these things. How do you balance all that together? Well, I mean, John actually brought it up um, a couple days ago at a talkback we had after one of our performances, just how much... There's only two people in this show, so you really depend on each other, and you're there for each other when things go awry, or uh, this happens, or the audience responds in different ways, whatever. We're there kind of to to help each other out, um, <laughs> team up, and uh, you know, and, and make this as, as I don't know, as, I don't want to say as easy as possible, but it has to be effortless because it. I mean, you're only depending. There's only two people you can watch. You're depending on each other, so it really is crucial that the two actors involved in the show are really a team. It. it, it I mean, um, what do we say? Nothing compares with being a pair, and it really um, <laughs> proves so throughout the show. Um, we sing that towards the end of the end of the um, end of the show. But uh, I, I think it is, it is essential that the two actors are kind of on the same plane throughout, regardless of what character is being played or what moment is happening. It is is really uh, needs to be had that strong bond between the two of them. Yeah, and I think uh, you know, I, I I like to kind of think of this show. I mean, not to like toot our own horns, but it's kind of like going to see a, an amazing ballet performance. You know, it's it like, when, when you see good ballet, they make it seem so effortless, oh, yeah. and yet they've spent, you know, like <laughs> 20 so years killing their bodies, trying to to make it seem effortless. And so the, the preparation for this show and, and how you kind of handle all the different elements in it is um, you, you guys are seeing the part where we're trying to make it seem effortless. We should have filmed the parts <laughs> where, you know, it would have made it would have, before, it, it would have yes. made a great series on uh, on YouTube or something, uh, just to uh, to to see what what it really takes, what what it means to rehearse the show and then to go home, and the rehearsal doesn't end. You keep yeah. you keep practicing, you keep developing characters, you keep developing voices, you keep practicing the piano, you you keep going over moves. I mean, it's. It's it, it's a it's a lot to balance to to make it to make it look as effortlessly as we make it. Look. You can't see it here, but he's literally pushing his bangs yeah, out I, of his face. I am, yeah, I'm, I'm just figuratively yeah. speaking. Uh, so with that, John, adding all of those extra characters, talk about how you. De- I mean, you've played these roles mm-hmm. before. You um, talk a little bit about your history with this show. Sure. Um, well, it's actually a very long history. The first, <laughs> the first time I auditioned for it was in 2011. Um, I had been auditioning for it, what, like even while it was at Chicago Shakespeare, it's kind of like inaugural production. Um, 
And so we, uh, we, me, oh my gosh, <laughs> I know I'm thinking of myself as a lot of people, oh no! It's happening! Oh, no. here. We were in the house, <laughs> oh gosh. Um, oh, that, that was a Freudian slip. Uh, you gotta, uh, you yeah. gotta have something to talk to your therapist yeah, about yeah, later yeah, in life, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, back to, back to, you didn't hear that. Um, so I had been auditioning for it since 2011, and, um, you know, it moved off-Broadway, had its New York production, but every time I was auditioning for it, for about the first three years of auditioning for it, I was actually in for Paul's track. They only ever brought me in for the detective role, um, I guess just because I kind of, you know, I, I have that kind of like chipper energy. Um, but <laughs> no, oh, no, that's you, not true. You are eager and fresh-faced. <laughs> I, I am, yeah. yeah, no, and so, so I kind of was, and every time I would kind of walk out of the room and be like, all right, like I know I didn't get that, or like, I, like something just wasn't clicking, but I was like, I know I, I know I can do this show. I was like, I know this show is, is like for me. Um, and so finally at, at a, at a callback, um, they, they called me back for the detective again. And I, I finally just kind of took life, took, took life into my own hands. And I was like, Hey, thank you so much for this callback. Can I actually also read for the other role? They were like, Oh, uh, the suspects. I was like, yeah. And they were like, uh, okay, sure. And so they're like, well, here's 40 pages. Have this prepared by tomorrow. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm so glad I asked for this. Um, and so, and that, and that was how I, I eventually got it. So then I started with the tour. I've, I've been with the tour since uh, late 2014 when, when I was off and on with it for a bit, kind of like leaving when I wanted to and when they needed someone and took over for a bit, understudied for a bit, took over for a bit, then went back to understudying. It was kind of a role where I was like, I, I love, I just love being a part of it. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, so my process was about two weeks to learn the show. And it was kind cool. of, you know, what, what I said before, like you, you rehearse, you rehearse, you rehearse. I would go home, stand in front of the mirror for hours, trying to find out where these characters live, give myself a migraine, like chug a cup of coffee and then just like go and rehearse for for more hours and I wish I could say that the first time I went on I was just you know just like oh it was just I, I mean I don't remember I think I think it was one of those <laughs> that it was it was a huge lesson in just trusting all the work that I had put into sure. it and it showed up and everyone was very very pleased and it was yeah it's I, I love this show and even though it's it's a lot of work, <laughs> and it has been for six years, five years, it's so. become a major part of your life at this it point. It is, yeah. So, as as gentlemen who play the piano so very well, and I imagine have played for some time, mm -hmm. is it exciting to see productions like this being written with it sort of demand your talents, not just as actors or or singers, but as as keyboardists as well. Paul, can talk sure. about that. Yeah, I think more and more now, so many productions are involving actors who play instruments. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, there's, I mean, I can name examples. You know, the the most recent revival of Sweeney Todd, where all the you yeah, know, the everybody played everything. Yeah, yeah exactly. incredible. They're all on stage <laughs> playing everything. <laughs> so if you ever, if you hear a hiccup during this, um, John is notorious. I'm notorious for hiccuping <laughs> once. I'm so sorry. I didn't think it was gonna happen. It's been like three or four. Already, That's the so best thing that has ever happened on the Play On podcast. We're not cutting it. It's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> so oh. I was like, people oh. just, people, they, they always count them in rehearsals. They get a murder for two. I, th I, see, I think I th saw that now that I know. I saw that in the rehearsal report. Yeah, they put it in the rehearsal. Yeah. 
<laughs> always hiccuping. I was like, oh, yeah. John, there you go. It wouldn't be John if there wasn't a hiccup. Sorry. Excellent. Um, don't put, don't, no, don't uh, There's, there's uh, more and more productions now that involve actors that play instruments. So obviously we benefit from it uh, tremendously just be for the panel. And more often than not, a lot of times, a lot of our work can kind of uh, coincide with play, uh, piano playing. Maybe they need an actor in one show, but they're going to music direct or play piano for another show. And so we can get long contracts because we do, you know, kind of we're in both worlds. So it's, it's kind of nice to have that in our back pocket. But um, I, I, yeah, I'm grateful for that. That's kind of how, at least for me, things started with just the piano playing. I didn't really do theater till high school, but um, yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't trade for anything. Paul, for you, your, your contract here at the festival started uh, in, a, in a music role with the Coconuts. Mm -hmm. What's, mm -hmm. uh, what was it like transitioning from sort of a pit rehearsal music, assistant music directory role with a show, sort of the backstage side, sure. into a full performance contract? Yeah, <laughs> kind of night and day. Um, when I first got here, uh, you know, we started we were rehearsing for Coconuts, and um, very, very laid back. I mean, I was still was... Uh, at the piano a lot, rehearsing, you know, getting ready for the show, um, wanting to imp impress Greg uh, <laughs> Coffin. Um, but I just, uh, you know, it was a much more like just to know that I'm not memorizing anything. You know, I'm, I'm at a piano. I can look at music. I can, you know, depend on that and the other musicians um, for, uh, throughout the show. This one, it's like, oh, there you go. You're you're on your own. You get these lines don't, no one's going to say these lines off stage for you. So um, it, night and day for sure. But I mean, I, I definitely... Uh, you know, I, I find rewards in both shows, and um, both are very fun and fast-paced and exciting and great people to work with. So, I um, mean, it's just very fortunate to kind of have <laughs> an easier start when I got here, and then things got a little more complicated when Murder for Two picked up. But uh, again, I, you know, I'm having I'm having a blast with both shows. Awesome. Related to the coconuts, John. You know, your character Jameson is. There really isn't a, a full comedic straight man in the coconuts, but I think Jameson gets the closest that there is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it, what's it like, you know, as a performer? So many of the questions we get from our guests and from people you've probably heard it in comments is the thing that I think blows people's minds most of all is the nature of rep work and the idea of playing multiple characters in a single season, jumping back and forth week to week. You know, the the easy question is how do you do that? And we know you do that with lots and lots of work and compartmentalization, mm -hmm. but. Beyond the the easy part of the question, you're playing in these two shows as completely different types of performances as you possibly could. This sort of comedic straight man in a world of zany, and then this multiple character zany in a world of, you know, also zany, I suppose, but you create it all. What's that like, just, you know, sort of being John in Cedar City and bouncing back and forth between these two kinds of, being able to perform both of these kinds of roles in a single season? Um, it's been really interesting. I mean, I, I came in very aware that that was kind of what I was doing too. You know, I I normally don't get to play the you know the, the straight man in a, in a comedy. I normally am the person who's bouncing off the walls, who's doing the zany things. So it was a really I kind of came in excited for the challenge, nervous for the challenge, um, jealous that the Marx Brothers got to got to do all that stuff. Um, but I've, I've really grown to love it, and I've really grown to, I, I, I think, probably the biggest challenge for me, and I, I think as the show's been running over the last, you know, month or so, the biggest thing that I've learned is that, like, playing a, playing a straight man in a comedy does not mean boring, and it doesn't mean one-noted, oh, yeah. and it does not mean that you have to constantly kind of be, like, either, like, 
angry or, or you know, yeah. it, it, there, there's so many layers to it too. And that you actually are such a pivotal part of the comedy and of helping, you know, you're, you're part of the setup for these yeah. people's jokes. So that's, that's been so super rewarding and it's, it's been really cool to get to play both. I mean, I was actually just kind of thinking, I was like, I wonder if anyone else in this rep company can claim this season that they're playing 13 characters. <laughs> um, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to think off the top of nope. my head because I know there are, you know, ensemble members who are, who are, gosh, doing so, so much. But, yeah, but I think the quick um, answer is no. I don't think yeah. anyone gets quite to 13 as quickly thir as you... Thir 13, 13, like, developed characters. Yeah. yeah so it's, uh, it's, been really, it's been really cool. And I'm honestly so glad to have Coconuts and, and, and Robert Jamison, the, the Zeppo character, to kind of round out. They've all... Uh, they all influence each other because they're all up there in my mind. So I, I think Jamison's <laughs> been influenced more since I've been doing Murder for Two here because I, I kind of now have, you know, seen... <laughs> I am going to sound like a crazy person. <laughs> all the characters in my head... They, 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 in my head. In my head <laughs> have... Just keeps going. Oh yeah. my God! Like yeah. deeper. digging deeper. Where's Doctor Griff when you need him? I know. Yeah, one of the characters I play is a psychiatrist, so uh, I'm gonna have to talk to him later. Um, I think I think they all completely round each other out, and they all kind of help develop different sides of them uh, 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 of, of each, each other. Each other yeah. yeah, because they they really like they they really do. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense to anyone except for me, <laughs> but but it does. They all they all help each other in this weird way. To to be all fully realized people, because as a fully realized person, even if you are playing, you know, one of the characters is a femme fatale ballerina, but she has moments of, you know, genuine emotion, or like she 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 really has to feel things too, and she can't just be an archetype and and, and angry all the time. So it it helps. It helps. They all help. And I was going to jump yeah. on it. I don't. I don't think John's giving himself enough credit for the coconuts because you know I'm. I'm back there playing the piano, so I get to watch the show every night. And John is dancing his feet off in that show. Plus, also too, I think sometimes people um, uh, don't fully understand how difficult it is to be like the straight man because your comedy is more sincere mm -hmm. and innocent, and the less is more, as opposed to you know the other Marx Brothers who can depend on the physical comedy mm -hmm. to get the laughs. John's got to really depend on you know the dialogue and just being that pure innocent self to get the laughs, and he does such a great job every night. I paid him to say it. <laughs> Checks in the mail. I'm, right? Right? I'm sliding, retiring I'm sliding dollar bills over, over to him right now. Well, it, it's, 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 it's exciting to hear you say that because I can tell you from an audience perspective, it's exciting to watch and to know that, that that's the storytelling that's going on in your mind, that these characters are not fully isolated in vacuums of each other, that there's this wonderful... To me, the part about watching theater and rep as an audience is the shows contextualize each other. Yeah. And hearing that that's happening for you with the characters within the shows you play is doing the same thing is sort of a really exciting sort of meta experience. Yeah, um, it's, no, it's totally meta. It's totally, <laughs> like, it's been such a great lesson. I think, I, I'm I only going to do rep for the rest of my life <laughs> with a 13-character minimum. <laughs> He'll be dead in three yes. years. Uh, but what a way! But what a way to go! Way to go. <laughs> His final words. So one of the other things that I think is particularly charming about Murder for Two is that it's this sort of wonderful homage to this great style of storytelling, this sort of classic mm. whodunit. And there's all sorts of homages within the show to great and classic, 
you know, the, the one that for my generation that it pops to mind is Clue, the great oh. farce movie Clue. And I, and I can't watch, there are moments that I can't watch but not think of that film. Are there other, was it, what was the kind of inspiration for the two of you as you worked on the show or talked to Brad? You know, Brad is a living encyclopedia of theater history. Yeah. Um, and you guys have worked on a lot of different shows, a lot of different places. What was sort of your inspiration as you worked through this, through this show? Um, well, I, I was gonna say, <laughs> modern day. To be honest with you, I I watched that television show called Forensic Files. I watched it a lot <laughs> while we were rehearsing for this because there were so many things. I'm like, ah, oh, yes, I can incorporate that. How I deliver this line and that line. I mean, it's all the way it's worded in the and the motives and all, all the stuff like that. But also, I look back to like older plays, Agatha Christie or yeah. even um, uh, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle and uh, Sherlock Holmes stuff like that. There's so many of those elements too. Not not huge, but little like little nuances throughout the piece that remind me of those well and not necessarily comedy it sounds like just the sort of the crime mm -hmm. experience oh, as yeah. much as anything else and i think because it's such a funny funny show people forget that there is it's, it's very well written as far as how the the details are revealed and all, all the elements kind of come together um and i i think you know again the, the the team here wrote a really strong piece a detective piece it really is as, as far as there's a lot of comedy and very silly fun fun stuff but it is a really great murder mystery it really is well put together and I think the things that, one of the things that the writers of the show really, you know, hit the nail on the head with is that a good murder mystery should be fun. I mean, yeah. that, I mean yeah. that, that's why, that, and that's why I think Clue, were, I mean, Clue's one of my favorite movies. And in the previous production I've done, there was actually an homage to Clue where on the back wall, um, not a lot of people picked it up, but there were actual, like, real size versions of all the clues uh murder pieces <laughs> so there was there there was a there was a uh, noose and there was a candlestick and so i i always think of clue with this show but actually one thing that i did since uh i got here which i had never done was um the writers of the the show love this movie this not well-known movie called the last of sheila which is actually a Murder Mystery, written by Stephen Sondheim. What? Yes, which, other fun fact to bring back to Clue, the writers of Clue couldn't figure out how to end it, so they hired Stephen Sondheim to write endings, and he couldn't figure it out either. Stephen Sondheim is a huge murder mystery buff, and so um, one, of, one of their huge inspirations for it is this film called Last of Sheila, and so actually, Melinda Perrette, who is in Three Musketeers and in Coconuts with me, uh, my, my birthday was in the beginning of the summer, and I, she heard me talking about it, and she ordered it. And so we, we watched The Last of Sheila, this, this Stephen Sondheim murder mystery, um, which was really, really cool and really fun and, like, 70s and, like, kind of campy, but, like, still really serious. And so it was really, really neat. And, um, I mean... This is just another tidbit of knowledge, but in the when the show was in New York off Broadway and Stephen Sondheim came to see it, he loved it because he was spending the whole time trying to put together the puzzle. They, like literally everyone in the booth, everyone backstage was sitting there watching Stephen Sondheim <laughs> watch this well, show. Yeah, yeah um, and so so yeah, I, uh, the last of Sheila. If you've never seen nope, it, which I, I don't think I, anyone has really seen it except for like a handful of people. Um, I have it. I can let you borrow it. I might have to do it. Well, and we'll link to like it. it. We'll find it on IMDb and link to it in the podcast description. So if people want to learn yeah. more about it, that's that's really cool. Yeah. So The Last of Sheila was a big inspiration and, and something that I found really interesting um, to help kind of influence this production. Um, I, but this one, too, I, 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 think, I think one of the biggest things that really helped me with this production and kind of prep for it 
was our set and our space. Um, Jason really designed an amazing playing space for us that does make me feel like I'm in the uh, in like a, in a room in Clue. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, yeah, that has that sort of yeah. mid-Atlantic mansion yeah. feel, but <sighs> in a really fun way. Yeah, it totally does. And so, um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, just the the set really helps so much. It just it really brings me there to that mansion and into where the murder takes place and yeah us too as audience well you know you know thinking about there are lots of there's lots and lots of stuff out there you know watching forensic files my mother is obsessed with a show called the first 48 which is all about like the first 48 hours of a murder investigation because it's the crucial 48 hours um what crime procedurals are huge and you know law and order is an establishment why is a murder mystery so interesting to us what is it about whether it's funny or not, what is it about this genre that is so interesting and appealing that, and that is this puzzle for Stephen Sondheim and that makes us want to watch shows like Clue and Murder for Two or these more realistic uh, approaches? What do you think it is? I mean, I'm about to get super dark. I think as humans, we're all kind of intrigued with the fact with a murder mystery that it could be anyone that anyone has the capability, like, sure. you know, to, to, to be the bad guy or to be the hero. And so I think we like watching these people put it together for themselves and then also, you know, kind of have that revelation of, oh my gosh, it was the maid or it was the body or it, it was Tim Curry the whole time, <laughs> or, you know? And, and so I, I, I think as humans, we just have such a, like a fun time because we're watching a puzzle with humans, with people that we know, possibly people that we, we see ourselves sure. in, and they might be the murderer, and that kind of scares us, <laughs> but intrigues us. Sure, and I, I think also, like, you know, the smallest detail, I mean, I won't reveal anything about the show if, if, if people haven't seen it yet, but, you know, in the end, Marcus and one of uh, John's main characters, Steph, you know, the, Marcus makes a comment about unless we miss something earlier, the smallest detail mm -hmm. could lead to something really big. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I love those moments, especially in, in the show, where it's, uh, you know, Steph and Marcus are going back and forth and, you know, piecing things together. And the things that we would totally take for granted otherwise are a big part of the, the murder scene. So, I, I again, it's, it's those pieces, you know, Sherlock Holmes, same thing. It's a little element that this paper was made, you know, he smells his paper and it, it was mm -hmm. made in, I don't know, Indonesia. and I mean, and that leads to this, which leads to that which leads to this, and I'm fascinated. That's why I love that kind of stuff. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's puzzle solving is fun no matter what, but mm -hmm. I think you're, you're right. The stakes couldn't be higher when you're solving a murder puzzle. Mm -hmm. And then adding the comedy on top of that with a show like this, it's like, well, this is, who, who knew murder could be so much fun? <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, as I've done pressers for this show, that's one of the things that's, I sort of feel like I have to qualify. It's like, and a really great comedy called Murder for Two, because what's more funny than murder? Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. And but, I, yeah. I know with the, the tour that, what was the... The slogan, oh. put, put the laughter in manslaughter. <laughs> yeah. Put the laughter in manslaughter. <laughs> I think it's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's because I, comedy is high stakes and murder is high stakes. So they kind of go hand in hand. Every good comedy involves murder. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you so much for spending time with us today. We're grateful for your work and we can't ex we're excited to see all of you on stage uh, in The Coconuts and in Murder for Two. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much for having all of us. <laughs> 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 Thank you for listening to another episode of the Play On Podcast. Be sure to go back and listen to past interviews on the festival webpage, bard.org. 
Check out the latest episode released every Friday with your favorite directors, actors, and designers from our 2016 season. 